0: The Emerald Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. LaKeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop-site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Emerald Couch Podcast listeners. We're on episode six. This is kind of crazy. I don't think I knew how long we could keep this going, but it's still happening and y'all are still listening. So this is great. Um, So we're moving right along and we appreciate you all every week for listening and tuning in um, and offering feedback. It's definitely helpful as we plan each week and also makes it very fun just to Get to talk with people who are listening to each episode. So keep listening, make sure you subscribe, um, follow us on Instagram at Go Small Talk Counseling, like us on Facebook, um, and also reach out to us throughout the week when you have questions um, that you want answered on air. So we're going to get started with episode six. So uh, this month, the month of May, we're still focusing on mental health awareness and highlighting um, the various areas that are affected by mental health so we've addressed family and motherhood during our first um, episode of this month and so we did that both in honors of in honor of Mother's Day but also um, just as a way to highlight that important role um, and so we want to sort of give some um, I guess attention to general wellness as well. So last week's episode really focuses on um, wellness and holistic wellness, maintaining balance. And so now we want to talk about another important area um, that definitely takes being able to pay attention to or that you should be able to pay attention to when it comes to well-being, and that's education. And oftentimes this area gets sort of overlooked as an area that's uh, Needed, um, when it comes to mental health and being able to make a connection between success in education and feeling well balanced and feeling happy and healthy. So, um, I'm excited for us to kind of talk about this a little bit today. So I think I mentioned in the past episode, in addition to my private practice, um, I not only happen to, you know, do this and see people, um, individually and groups through my private practice, but, um, I also work in a post-secondary educational setting, and so I have a lot of clients in my private practice, too, who pursue um, higher education or pursue educational goals and advancement for their career, and so oftentimes we discuss the stress it entails and um, the toll that sometimes it takes on family. So I thought it might be a good idea to highlight that as a specific topic this month, Um, both because of it being Mental Health Awareness Month, but also because this is when a lot of people kind of get to the end of the year and get to celebrate their achievements through graduation and commencement. Um, There are ceremonies happening this week. And so um, it's a great and festive time, but a lot of people often overlook the journey that it takes to get to that specific day where family and friends get to celebrate with you. So to help me with this conversation, I thought it would be nice to have one of my great friends and definitely a partner in crime and academia um, to join me as we talk and kind of reflect on this topic, as well as to be able to talk about something that we have in the works. Um, we'll get to that on the second half of the show um, to hopefully like improve and support this experience um, of seeking higher education, particularly for women of color, but we'll get to that. So First, I just wanna pause and welcome Dr. Dejelon Jackson Bell to the Emerald Couch. Hey my friend.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm so honored to be able to sit on the beautiful Emerald Couch today. I'm <laughs> glad that um, you have me today.
0: I'm yeah. So tell everybody like just a little bit about what you do. I know that's not what we exactly wanna spend all of our time talking about, but I want them to know just who you are and where where you are located anything you want to share
1: okay sure so um i am currently a professional school counselor um in katie texas i'm originally from louisiana from Zachary, louisiana um and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and i currently live in houston now but i'm a professional school counselor in Katy, um and i serve at a middle school um, or as they call it out here, junior high school in Katy. Um, and I work with grades 6 through eighth. Um, so as everybody knows, that's such a trying period in one's life. And I think mm-hmm. what attracted me to junior high is because it was so hard for me personally that I'm very sensitive to, you know, the issues and the concerns that my students, um, you know, bring with them. And, to build that rapport um with them because I've, I've been through some of the same things and can kind of you know come alongside them and you know just, just relate to them mm-hmm. um they really love you know that about me that I, I can relate to them so that's what i'm doing right now
0: mm-hmm. well i one uh, applaud you for your bravery because uh- i think any of my friends who know me, and Dr. Bell is definitely one of my friends who knows that um, I love children, but from a clinical perspective, um, I do not feel like that is my calling, which is why I work with college students and adults and couples and families, um, so I work with kids and fam- with families, but uh, just separately, I definitely think you have to be called uh, to do that, so Yes. um I appreciate you for walking in your ministry <laughs>
1: uh, you know, what's, funny, what's funny is you know I used to work at uh, at lsu so working in higher ed um I always miss the kids'm mm-hmm. like, like you know I'm, I miss being able to relate to students on that level and being able to affect change from that level
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then when I get you know, to junior high I'm like I miss working with grown-ups I like so it's, it's funny um there's a sweet spot for me um working with you know again students who are coming up and trying to affect change before they get to college but I also love working in higher ed as you know my PhD is in higher ed and I will eventually you know find my way you know back there um and find I guess the the sweet transitional you know um I guess, job that will be for me Mm -hmm. um, to be able to, you know, address both sides. You know, K-12, P-12, and then the higher ed of it all. So Mm -hmm. I love both. I love both.
0: Yeah, I definitely know that that's like, a part of you in general is like you really work Through your research Through even just the work that you do To kind of bridge the gap between those two exactly. areas So I definitely know you're gonna Find your way um, Back um, Back to us in post-secondary Work but you know I know you have to do what you need to in this time because we definitely need you in the, the the position that you're in now for sure um like you said middle school is a critical time um and really probably was for all of us or junior high from, we're from louisiana so middle, middle, hey, middle school, school, school is a thing sixth through eighth grade crazy we, out
1: here like what yeah i'm like I'm
0: sorry like, yeah <laughs> we bear we might have had a couple of junior highs but that wasn't really a thing so for all my non-Louisiana listeners who are like middle school why do they keep saying that um that's a real thing so (laughs) (laughs) um so well because also like I kind of mentioned you do work to bridge the gap I thought it was important as we undertake a conversation around post-secondary education particularly for women and so for my guys listening we're not trying to leave you out but you know we're too black women in higher education um who had our own experience as well as you know have done research and presented around this particular topic and so i do think a lot of what we're going to talk about will also apply to men of color as well so if you're listening um don't turn off this podcast keep listening um because it definitely applies to you too um but obviously like most of our experience and um our work in the field has been around women of color. Actually, in some ways, though, that's not true. Dr. Bell's uh, dissertation was centered around men. so It uh, It was. Yeah. And the reason why I I chose my
1: dissertation topic, which focused around um, persistence and resilience for first-generation African-American males um, who achieved doctoral success, so went from having parents who did not attend college going all the way to you know earning a doctorate Mm -hmm. Um, shows that because I feel like as far as education goes and I know we're going to cover this um, there is a gap between educational attainment um, for black women and black men Mm -hmm. and black men haven't seen much growth, Um, black women have seen tremendous exponential growth um, in that arena but black men haven't so I wanted to come from a place of I guess where the most gap was Mm -hmm. Um, as a school counselor you know we're always trying to close the gaps so I wanted to provide research um, that could contribute um, to being able to close the gap as it relates to black men who are pursuing you know higher educational degrees or terminal degrees or what have you Yeah. so much love to to the
0: men (laughs) we got y'all still we we
1: got y'all we got y'all got
0: y'all So that was actually a perfect transition to kind of, you know, what we want to talk about a little bit today. And so our our first topic is really just for us to share with you all, like, you know, a little bit about this educational phenomenon that's happening among women of color right now um, and how it relates to mental health, particularly in um, sort of making that connection between educational pursuit as well as just life and the life factors that play into it and so obviously we have personal experience that i'm sure as we talk we'll share um in between some of the the facts and the information we want to share but it definitely is something that we i think need to highlight um for different reasons to be able to you know kind of give women out there a shout out a little bit but also um just to be able to open a dialogue. And I think, again, leading up to something super, super special that we have on the way that I think is going to help make conversations like this easier, but also much more frequent. Um, And so that's really our goal today. So I just want us really to talk about that a little bit. So uh, some of the thoughts that, I mean, I have, and again, these are things that we've presented on and we'll be presenting on actually later this week and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more too but um we've kind of addressed a little bit that you know the doctoral process in itself is not this um follow color by number type of process it definitely um does not come with like an instruction manual and it's super exciting it's definitely something that gives um you know, pushes people towards growth and really creates um, a sense, hopefully, of pride and being able to, you know, reach an achievement educationally that a very small percentage of the world and U.S. population don't always achieve. And so being able to realize that while it's it's super exciting and I talked earlier about how graduation day everyone sort of thinks about that and and sort of envisions the educational process in that way. Um, there's a lot that it takes to get to that day. And um, you know, I think (laughs) we still we still have trauma from our experience and we're two years out of the game and uh it still is definitely something that, you know, I think we're still kind of teasing out and what it it was even like so um, what are some of the things Dr. Bell you think like just us talking a little bit about you know the different and unique challenges that kind of impact that doctoral process and you know what are your thoughts around even what that looks like for people
1: oh my goodness there's so many layers and it's funny because I was just talking to my mom about this uh, maybe two nights ago Um, So, from my experience personally, both of my parents have PhDs. My dad got his PhD when I was a junior in high school, and my mom got her PhD um, the year that I started graduate school, like my master's degree. And even though I clearly had two blueprints, my mom's dissertation is sitting on the coffee table at my parents' home, and like, it's a huge book. Um, she did a mixed message, so, you know, it's quantitative and qualitative, and I had that guide, but it's still, like like you said, not a color-by-number process. Mm-hmm. I, there's still unique um, experiences that one has to go through. It doesn't matter how many people in your family have a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have unique committee members. Your program will be unique. You know, the way that you write, your discipline, all of those things um, will be unique to you, so you know, just thinking about people who may not have the experiences that, I, experiences that I have, I was comfortable in that I knew, shoot, if my parents did do it, I could do it. And they mm-hmm. would always tell me that. They would always encourage me, hey, just go ahead and get it done. You know, my parents both waited until, I think my dad was early 40s, mm-hmm. I want to say, and my mom was kind of mid-late 40s, um, but they always encouraged me, go ahead and just go through. So, I knew that I had confidence that I could do it. It was never a doubt that I couldn't do it Mm -hmm. because I had that support. Um, But just thinking about people who did it, neither one of my parents, both of my parents are first generation, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, None of their parents uh, went to college. Um, So they didn't have that experience. Well, actually, my dad's mom was a nurse, but my dad's mom died when he was very young. So he was raised by my grandmother, Mm -hmm. my great grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, She had an eighth grade education. Mm -hmm. So... You know, he was one of the first in the family yeah. to get addicted. Yeah. Um, so and my mom was absolutely the first out of her ten brothers and sisters, you know, mm-hmm. to graduate from high school, to graduate from um to graduate from college. And what's funny is this is so amazing to me. Both of my parents both dropped out of college at one point.
0: Wow. I don't think um, I ever knew that.
1: Yes, they both did. <laughs> they both dropped <laughs> out of college at one point, and they eventually found their way back. So, like I said, all of that support, all of their rich history that I know about them, and I have it—it it was no doubt in my mind that I could get it done. Yeah. But it was still very difficult, and it was still unique. And I think, you know, just navigating those spaces as a Black woman at a PWI, like I said, it's so many layers—a a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just thinking about now that you know we're doing research and we're understanding and hearing other people's narratives just you know for the people who we didn't have as much support um, as you know as we did is it's, it's so much I could, we can literally talk about this all
0: day yeah well we it's do so we hilarious. we do all the time like yes, we like do literally time. once a week we do so <laughs> um, but I do I, I love that you brought that up because you know I think people do sort of assume when you know, they see somebody with a PhD, they assume that they're, um, you know, have had sort of like life laid out a little bit differently than most people. And and what I love that you said is that, you know, people don't realize like what happens in between, you know, starting that educational journey and then that end, you know, that, that graduation day or that dissertation defense um, you know, we have stories of our own and obviously like you said, even for your parents, like knowing the things that they faced in their lives separate from education that totally could have given them every reason not to pursue um any degree, let alone to go all the way and get a terminal degree, you know, right. is something that a lot of people will often, you know, utilize or maybe lean on as um You know, a reason why they shouldn't. And so it definitely is encouraging, I think, for folks maybe to hear that, you know, your life circumstances don't necessarily have to determine the end result for you, particularly when it comes to education. Um, I think that's just something that we have to put out there and sort of like erase stigma and myths around that um i think being able to realize there are definitely indeed institutionalized barriers that um don't make the process easy um but but it's possible and so i mean that's really kind of what we want to really push home today and we'll keep talking about we get super passionate about this y'all so we're gonna try not to uh, bore you but also make sure that we're giving you um, some reason so let's maybe you know link this a little bit to mental health a little bit like so I love that you again brought up that there's a bunch of unique challenges that negatively or that can negatively impact the journey towards you know doctoral success and in particular today we're talking about like for black women but the irony in that statement is that that particular group, Black women, have been identified as the most educated group among the U.S. population. And so what's what's up with that? Like, you know, the whole idea that even though we have these unique challenges, we have, you know, some very specific um, things that we could highlight around the educational process for women, particularly the connection to mental health around, you know, a relationship, having a family, maybe being uh-huh. an entrepreneur. Um, All of those things And yet that particular group You know their voices are often Kind of silenced around What that experience is like So um, For you and obviously I think we both Have stories to share about this What were some of the like just personal Challenges when it comes to you Being able to maintain your well being And your mental health in that process Um, What came up Like what were some of the things that you faced
1: Oh my goodness And and I I know you know because you were literally there right along with me. Um, But, like, classwork, like, so let's start from the beginning. So taking coursework, because I like going to school. So, like, classes and, like, you know, taking it from, you know, learning the skills and being more skill-based with our our masters in counseling. um, We went to more of a philosophical, um, you know, view in class we would discuss and, we would, and that was really fun for me like coursework besides stats oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> which is why my dissertation is qualitative and not quantitative um
0: <laughs> yeah we are we are different in that way so she's a definitely um a story person and I'm a story person too but numbers for me help to give me a guide before I get the story so um yeah we're different in that way I don't
1: play with the SPSS. I don't SPSS. I don't play with the numbers. Um, But you know, the coursework of it all, it almost had me fooled. Like I was like, you know, this is y'all can do this. I, I can do this. And then when it came time to start preparing and thinking about generals and writing, because like I said, my master's is in in clinical, you know, mental health counseling and community counseling, so. Again, it's skill-based. Our papers, we were writing about skills. We weren't Mm -hmm. producing, you know, 30, 40, 50-page papers. We were taking, you know, national exams and practicing and being videotaped and all of that. So it was definitely eye-opening for me um, just to be stretched in that way Mm -hmm. Um, and then thinking I was a good writer and then getting, like, absolutely exposed. The doctoral process that I really thought I was a good writer until we start writing, um, and and just I mean that like the scrutiny of oh I have to write a certain way I have to write in this academic and this scholarly way this challenge this is challenging everything I thought about myself you know I thought it, I I was a good writer again um, and you know just the the stress and the pressure that comes with trying to produce um, you know a scholarly you know a uh, paper. You, like the and I know we talked about this all the time. The, like how you write for a dissertation. That that's a unique way of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a very unique way of writing, and um, you, we don't write write like that every day. So, I guess just I'm not having to, to shape my mind for that, and then the discipline that is needed
0: yeah. to come with that. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, I wasn't used to that, so it was hard on me. And it was hard to, I never had to, I guess, prioritize in that way or to, um, I don't know, I to to have to say, hey, I have, I have to set out these hours mm-hmm. to do this. Or I have to sit down and get this done. And, it's, and I'm not talking like one or two hours. I'm talking about eight, nine, ten hours, mm-hmm. you know, per day. You know, at one point, I remember having to stay up 24 hours because I had uh, one of my chapters due. And my chair pushed it up. She was like, you need to get this done. And I would never tell her no. So I was like, okay. So I had to stay up 24 hours and do it. And it was really hard on my body. Um, Physically, it was hard on me. Mentally, because I would just see everybody like living their lives, like having fun and like going out. And meanwhile, I had to like shut it down. I got off social media. I got, I didn't watch TV. Like I shut everything down because I needed to get that done. So um, it can be very hard, not just writing a dissertation, but, you know, depending on, you know, the support in your doctoral program. Do you have people that look like you? I have people who look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely helped and made it, you know, easier for me when I was going in class. I knew I would always have, I had to do a group project. I have friends in each of my classes. I knew I didn't have to worry about, you know, working with, you know, someone I didn't know or, working with people that I I didn't know what kind of work they would produce. Like, it wasn't, I didn't really have too much stress as far as the coursework. Um, But I always tell people that dissertation will expose you. It it will absolutely expose you. But, um, you know, like I said, there's so many layers. There's so many facets. Everybody has so many different experiences um, that it could absolutely, you know, affect mental
0: health. Yeah, yeah. and I know, I know some people who even
1: in the same program that I was in they didn't have necessarily the same cohort that I was in mm-hmm. so I had a very supportive cohort and even supportive people who had graduated right before me that I knew I could call on mm-hmm. everybody didn't have that so experiences are like I said very unique and, and it can absolutely absolutely affect you know mental health as it relates to pursuing higher education
0: Yeah, I definitely think, like you pointed out, that that support system is critical. And I I think it looks different for everybody. So, like, you and I, you know, we were in two different programs. So, you were doing higher education. I was doing counselor ed and supervision. And even though we were at two different schools. Yeah, and we're at two different universities. Right. So, we definitely were having two different experiences but that did not take away from what our support meant to each other and sort of the accountability piece particularly that's what i want to talk about is and you kind of alluded to it you know um i was not as uh worn i guess or even worried about the uh, the time part of it so I'm a super, like, type A personality, time-focused individual. And so I wasn't as worried about, like, okay, well, when am I going to get this done? So Dr. Bell knows that, like, I'm a morning person in a crazy way.
1: I don't understand it. I do not understand
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I know about myself is that I'm the type of person that if I need to get some things done, um... Early morning before the craziness of my day starts is what is necessary. Now, I don't necessarily know I stick to that now anymore because now I value sleep so much more because my dissertation (laughs) is finished. Um, But in the midst of the process, like, so Dr. Bell and I would write um, in the evenings, multiple days a week and Sundays. Um, but yet there were still days in between that, even if it was a writing day for us that morning, I might get up and kind of map out, OK, what am I going to be working on when we're together? Or let me do these graphs that I, that can kind of be, you know, done a little mindlessly because it's 5 a.m. and I'm up. So let me just do this. And so um, I think that's a part of sort of that mental health process as well as like knowing yourself to know right. what's your window of opportunity to get stuff done, and uh, and what are you willing to sacrifice? So again, like I'm a morning person, but I don't need to be up if I don't need to be up. So right. it needs to be a reason. And then my my belief at that time was like this is a, this is bigger than this one extra hour of sleep that I need or that I want. Um, and so being able to realize that. That was something for me that worked really, really well um, to get some things done because what I think we maybe both haven't said yet is that we were also both working full time. And we we did not, uh, you know, a lot of people when they pursued the doctoral process. Will maybe go part time or even not work if they maybe have some sort of fellowship or a financial opportunity that allows them not to work um, or a spouse where they don't have to. So, being able to realize that that wasn't us. And so, not at all. (laughs) So, we needed to, you know, also make sure that we did what we needed to do at work every day, which both for both of us involved serving other people in mental health capacities. Um, And so, you know, realizing like we're trying to be a support system for other people and also making sure we're keeping ourselves together. And, you know, that's why I think we can't overlook how education and educational pursuit and career development plays such a key role in people's mental health. Because uh, you often don't know what people are sacrificing or what type of planning they're doing in order to get their degree, or in order to get to that next level in their career. And so um, for us, it meant teaming up to be writing partners. It meant that accountability piece. You know, I often laugh when I think about, and I think I tell this story to people all the time when I encourage them to have at least one person as a writing partner, um, that there will be days, because we both were working full time, whether, you know, I had, at that time I was working in multicultural affairs. And so I did a lot of um program coordination around diversity and so that's also very trying work um particularly in the age that we live in right now and so um I remember some days after you know either doing planning or having a program in the middle of my day that I would be sitting at my desk literally like gonna draft a text to Dr. Bell and be like you know maybe today we don't have to write and so something either in her spirit or was Jesus would tell her to text and ask me what flavor snowball I wanted because she was picking them up on the way to come for us to write and oftentimes while I would like in that moment grumble to myself <laughs> I re- I realized that was you know the accountability that I needed on those days where I did feel like I was on E or I had a frustrating day at work and it was kind of blocking, you know, kind of my writing inspiration and I needed something to kind of help me reset or a person to push me. And so, um, that's why, you know, we keep talking about like support system. It really matters. And it looks different for everybody because we also, we had each other, but we had supportive families. We had supportive, significant others in our lives, um, you know, supportive friends. So I also didn't mention um, we had a third person in our writing group. We need to shout out uh, Cassandra, who was also with us as a part of that journey, who was in law school, which God God bless her as well, uh, because that's a journey in itself. And so, again, that accountability that we had by Somebody being like, okay, what time are we meeting? You know, when maybe that right. whole day our text thread had been quiet because people just was working hard and there were, right. you know, times where maybe we weren't able to um, connect throughout the day because it was just that busy. Somebody, you know, saying, hey, I'm picking up food or anybody need anything or what time are we meeting today? If it was on the weekend, um, really just helped to hold us accountable, but it also You know, gave us a space and a time to be with people who were in a similar journey, but also who could just be there to listen so that we could vent. And so even though the three of us were doing three different things, um, it still meant something to be able to know that all of us were uh, working towards something that we felt like was bigger than us. And oftentimes when something is bigger than you, it, it feels a little bit easier actually to let it go because like we've mentioned, we both at that point were full-time working professionals, working on licensure, having opportunities where we didn't necessarily have to go back and get PhDs. We wanted to because we knew there was an impact that we needed to make in the lives of the people that we serve, but also in changing some of the narratives around mental health and working in this field. So um, it's definitely not always easy but when you have the right people around the right support system you know it matters a lot so i definitely you know i don't necessarily have to shout her out because she's on this show right now but to Uh, to dr bell for being that support but also um to cassandra noel um esquire for uh For doing, you know, her part as well in in being that support system, even when, you know, we would be talking about stats and our, you know, uh, case studies and things like that. And she may not always have understood what we were talking about from a mental health perspective because that wasn't her field, but she listened, she offered support. We also used our times together as venting session because we all were in relationships. And, you know, that was also a big part of like, what was happening in our lives and trying to figure out how to balance it all. And, um, you know, I think that's the other piece that we forget on the mental health side that in most cases, um, women of color who are pursuing advanced degrees, do work full-time or do also have, you know, other obligations, maybe children or, you know, a spouse or both um, or other, you know, just opportunities that are going on kind of in their lives and they're trying to figure out how to make it all work. So that's definitely something I don't think that we we can ignore for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things I think that we – Kind of, I think we both alluded to Or mentioned just straight out Is that what is kind of um, Interesting in this process Is that sometimes the challenges that come up Are a result of just like a lack of information That's out there for people about the doctoral process So um, you told, you know, a great story Around like your parents' experiences And your own and how that connection is made And I often think of you know, like you said, folks who maybe don't have a little bit of a blueprint to be able to go off of and like how, you know, there's not necessarily in the world of academia, this like guidebook that you can just pick up and say, okay, this is how you're going to get from coursework to your comps or general exams to proposal to dissertation. It's usually like you know, you you just kind of take things as they come, and the hope is that you have a great chair and a great committee who are a part of um, being committed to your successful defense. But that isn't always the case, and and, <laughs> and we we're laughing because we have stories for that too, and maybe we maybe we should share that. Maybe we talk about like right here, kind of what were some of those challenges when it came to like the process. Yeah. um Of pursuing, you know, the the PhD, and and what were some of the things that you faced? I know, but they don't know, so we need to right. tell
1: them. <laughs> so I would, I like what you said about just the coursework. Like we can just start with that, navigating the coursework. Um, you don't know from the outside looking in, like when you're, you know, researching. You know PhD programs that you're interested in, and they give you this list of courses, and you don't really know nothing about nothing. Like, like I said, my parents have PhDs, but they they went through different programs. It was at different universities, so um, sometimes it can be very university specific in what's offered, what expectations, the amount of hours. Um, you know. Just how coursework is laid out in um, some universities are, are more forthcoming, and you know, initially about this is how your course, your course of study is going to look. And some aren't. Some you know may have it, you know thought that you know you're you're a doctoral student. You know, you need to figure it out. Um, we're here to help, but you know, this is your process. So um, just like creating a course of study. Trying to meet the hours um, that were required of me was very interesting. Um, for me, there was no, no like official course plan. Um, so, as we talked about with support, I knew that there were people that I could go to. Um, one young lady by the name of Erin, um, she had went through the course before me, and I was acquainted with her because she was um, a co teacher for one of my. Uh, master's um, program classes um, and when she had, she was two years before being in our doctoral program and I, I hit her up and I was like look Erin I need to know what courses you took is this counting as you know a major or a minor or um, I just I need to know and she happily forwarded me her course plan and happily hey she had it all sectioned out all color coded this is how many research classes you need, this is how many, um, you know, specialization classes you need, you know, this is how many, whatever class, like, she had it all, all mapped out for me, so I was really able to go in and just kind of tweak what I needed to tweak,
0: mm-hmm. and, and that
1: course plan, I still have it, that course plan stood um, for me, and it helped me get to where I used to be, because I knew exactly you know, what I needed to take in the fall, what I needed to take in the spring, what I needed to take in the summer, what specialization courses I needed to take. Um, But that was very interesting trying to navigate. Um, And my specific doctoral program, we, there, at least when I was there, there was a lot of students enrolled. And we only had about, I want to say, four professors, three or four um, in that program. So, of course, it was very difficult, you know, to be able to get um, get a meeting. And mm-hmm. not only... Our professors are, like, super dope. So, like, they're not just teaching. They're presenting at conferences. Some mm-hmm. of them are, you know, associate deans of, of departments and colleges and all of that. So, I mean, they're writing books. They're yeah. tenured. They're yeah. writing articles. They're saving the world. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're, they're contributing to the field as well. So, it was it was very interesting navigating um, that process um, just just simply with course planning. Um, and then, you know, as more classes or courses were introduced to the curriculum, it was, oh, you know, should I take this? Should I take that? What is going to contribute to my dissertation or what I want to write about? What research class? Should I take advanced stats? Should I take advanced qual? Like, what is going to help me? And we're still, you know, in the process of even trying to figure out what a dissertation is like that's just a just a big huge word that is like looming over our heads we don't even know what that is I mean like I said I knew because my mom you know I I looked through hers um but still not even understanding all that that entailed and you know hearing people talking about generals and and the questions that they had that they had to answer in these 30 40 pages and all of this it was just very um it was very mysterious yeah if that makes sense like just the whole process of it. I feel like, you know, a doctoral process is sort of like a secret society. Like, people don't really talk about it. I I had, I'd known, you know, ever since I saw my dad pursuing a PhD that I I knew I wanted to get one. um, And I knew my parents, you know, shared me whatever I asked or whatever, you know, they felt like they could contribute. But it's still very mysterious. Um, And that can be very overwhelming. Um, You know, especially to people who haven't seen that, or, you know, who are first generation, mm-hmm. um, or, or whatever that looks like, it, it, it can be very difficult, difficult to navigate, um, and then, you know, trying, you know, finding out, you know, once you do get done with your coursework and all this paperwork that you have to <laughs> to be able to sit for exams and to sit for, um, sit for your dissertation and, and just... It's so much. It's so much. Um, and if you don't have people, like, I, I knew about the paperwork because, like I said, one of um, one of my friends, um, Dr. Vincent. Shout out to Dr. Vincent. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, <laughs> Vincent Harris, Dr. Vincent Harris, he helped me out a lot. Um, hey, make sure if you write down those dates. Make sure you don't you don't play, don't sleep on that paperwork. Like, how would I have known that if it wasn't for him? Mm-hmm not like we had there was no mixer I mean we did have the um, the black graduate uh, professional group um,
0: mm-hmm. but everybody was just going through
1: school together though like, yeah was, you, were you,
0: know, lear- so you were learning it together as you exactly. went along everybody was learning
1: as, as they went so um, I was able to again have people who had come before me um, kind of help me with that but they had to learn on their own right so um, it's a very, it's a very mysterious process, and I feel like as a black woman, I mean, just African American in general, sometimes I felt like that process was not created for us. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a book um, in one of my foundations of higher education classes called um, "White." I think it was called like "White Architects of Higher Education." Um, so oftentimes when we talk about, you know, the justice system and how it may not have been created or it wasn't created for us mm-hmm. uh, as African-Americans, you know, during times of going through that process, um, especially at a, at a PWI, you know, sometimes I felt like that process was not necessarily um,
0: created with African-Americans in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was
1: it was it was very. It, it
0: was very mysterious. That, yeah, that, that's what I, yeah. I think that that's you know the probably the biggest piece, and I'm glad that you went there and talked about the fact that you know there we're we're trying to sort of like move into this like system that really right. wasn't created for us to be able to matriculate to and through, um, and so kind of figuring out how do we like pull back the curtains around what it's supposed to look like. And if it, if it wasn't really for people who get to that point and then are willing to reach back, offer support, send documents, you know, to help, um, many of us would just not know. Like, we just wouldn't know. Um, and so being able to sort of like help with that, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because people aren't always willing you know to share info and plans um and no, in some no. cases you know it's it's because of differences in race and culture and people aren't always as open you know with certain people and and you know by by nature and by ethnicity and by culture people of color are more communal and we tend oh. to share um in a different way you know and so being able to make sure that as people get into processes, particularly educational processes that are unfamiliar and that we still haven't necessarily um, found a, a guidebook to or created one yet, um, it is important that those that gain access to those systems do figure out how can I like help the people coming behind me who are interested in doing um uh, Something similar are able to be Successful in it because it kind of serves Us no good to get these degrees And it stops with us Um that's just kind of you know That's that's that doesn't make any sense and so Being able to get into These positions where now we're able to go back Into the classroom Be a part of programs Um (laughs) within higher education as as adjunct faculty or as staff folks to help change this system that we're talking about and to help be able to, you know, mentor and guide other students who are interested in being able to reach this level in their their career. And that's not saying they have to go back and be faculty, but these are the people who end up serving, you know, our children one day maybe in whatever capacity they work in. And so um, being able to give, uh, like you said, remove some of the mystery and pull that curtain back, I think is a major, major part and, and somewhat of an obligation. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, because we're talking about mental health, that obligation comes with the pressure. And so when you're trying to finish, you are thinking about, okay, yes, I'm doing this for me because this is my goal. This is what I want to do. But a lot of times, particularly, again, as people of color, (laughs) we're thinking about all the people coming behind us. And I know for me, I often thought of the the people, particularly the women in my life who came before me. Um, right. You know, and who this was for them a dream to be able to right. even see somebody in their family to do that, and so um, I appreciated the fact that we had people, you know, like that we've shouted out already to to help with that process, men and women along the way. Um, and one of my favorites, and I, I laugh about it all the time, and uh, I think if she ever listens to this episode, she will laugh about it too, is. When we would write, so Dr. Bella and I would write. I think we would do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. I think that was our kind of schedule because we both on Wednesdays would take off for Bible study. And I think Fridays, Friday and Saturday, we would kind of try to do self care stuff or just kind of, you know, work on our own um, because we just were working through the work week and sometimes needed a break. And so my favorite day though. I like Sundays too Because Sundays we always had a lot to talk about We probably spend less time writing on Sundays But yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I loved Mondays Because we had declared it to be Motivational Mondays motivational Monday. And the reason yeah. It was Motivational Mondays Was because of The one and only Dr. Shonda and- Allen Mitchell Woo! <laughs> And so if she's listening to this, she's probably like, oh, my God, why? Um, But what we loved about the fact that she so she was on my committee. So I got to have her even more be a part of my process. But it didn't matter what was going on with her, who was, again, another person working full time, teaching, um, you know, married. And so being able to figure out how. She could invest in our process, not because she had to, but because she wanted to. And right. it made a big difference because Mondays for us were, you know, the start of a work week. We were working. We were writing. Um, life was going on. We maybe spent the whole weekend actually doing dissertation stuff and didn't really get that self-care time in. And oftentimes we would need kind of a little kickstart on Mondays <laughs> to keep going. So... Uh, she would stop by no matter what And on Mondays uh, Well in a lot of days But Mondays we were always writing In um, the African American Cultural Center On LSU's campus uh, Because that's where my office was at the time And we would meet there And so uh, Dr. Mitchell would stop by every Every Monday No matter what And give us some sort of Motivation And sometimes that motivation came in the form of like Questions around, you right. know, what we were writing that day. What what new sort of revelations had we found? Maybe in, in doing some more research around our topic, um, and so it forced us again. We we've already talked about accountability, but it definitely forced us to be accountable, um, if nothing else, for that moment because we knew she was coming by, and right. you know, being able to sort of have again another woman of color, a black woman, to invest in us in a way that she didn't have to, but that she wanted to, because again, she was somebody who, if she decided, okay, I'm gonna get this PhD, I'm gonna, you know, be faculty, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna do these different things, write books, co-author books, um, and then it stops with me, it it really, it cuts your legacy short. I, that's, okay. that's my opinion. And so right. um, I appreciated her so much for that investment in us, um, and I don't necessarily, necessarily Think that she thought That much of it as we did Because we were the ones who would be like Alright here she comes We would see her coming in the window And right. be like here she comes <laughs> um, And it just It meant so much because again We didn't know what we were doing And so we, we, we <laughs> needed somebody Who had walked that journey And could tell us it's gonna be okay It's right. gonna end Take time for yourself Do this do that and Um, you know, it just, it's helped. And of course, you know, we'll forever be grateful to her for that. But we now know that we have an obligation to be that for somebody else, which is partially why we're recording this podcast today. But also, um, our life's work is tied to figuring out how are we gonna, you know, reach back and allow somebody else to learn from us, be mentored by us. Um, have a motivational Monday or whatever Tuesday with us.
1: Tuesday, and I want to interject because we also it got to the point where it was
0: it was it was getting real rough, mm-hmm. so I had to come by for trans- transformational
1: Tuesdays as well. Yes, um, I
0: forgot. Um, yeah, it was bad.
1: Yes, transformational Tuesdays <laughs> had to have because we had to start crying and stuff. Like it was, too, it was bad. It was, it was
0: bad. Yes. but I do
1: like what you said because you know different you know she had her own layers you know as a wife as a um, faculty member as Mm -hmm. you know someone who had already gotten her phd and i remember she would just like Shana would just drop stuff and i just be like like little stuff that she probably wasn't even thinking like would affect us as much like i remember when she first told us you know i don't care what you do at this point you need to write every day i don't Mm -hmm. care if it's a sentence
0: yep i don't
1: care if it's a word get in the habit of writing every day and that really stuck with me you know because sometimes we would sit there for hours and have only written a paragraph yeah it's so much but that I think that really helped us get in the habit of writing every single day, and knowing like that's routine We're pulling out those laptops we got to get it done Shauna said we got to do it and then just like the I, I guess you know the personal of it all so you know her telling me i was in the process i was engaged um in the process of getting married that year and i know she told me what do you want what do you want your, your wedding program to say mm-hmm. Not to say doctor if you want them to say doctor then you need to finish the dissertation and i was <laughs> like
0: right, right and then she would leave and then she would just leave, yeah, like. and then leave. Or, or or do you want your before your children are
1: born want them to know you as doctor you want like you would be a doctor they, that's all they would ever know of
0: you, mm-hmm.
1: is, that you is that what you want well you need to write this dissertation. so just little stuff like <laughs> that that I think really really was motivational and transformational mm-hmm. us. And sometimes that's really all it took was to be able to you know take it from a few from a present aspect i don't even know how i'm about to write yeah one paragraph to this this is something that's going to be beneficial yeah. you know, in know, future and long term like looking at big picture, she really I think helped a lot with that and then also shout out because she let us use her study carol because um, sometimes <laughs> we needed the scenery we couldn't just yeah. we, we spent a lot of time writing in the ACC sometimes we had to go with Cassandra to the law library sometimes we had to lock up and mm-hmm. show her the study carol in the library and mm-hmm. just like be in a tight space because those were like serious days. Yeah. Like we went to Carol. Like that was in the stacks on the fourth floor. Like we had to get it done when we went into Carol. It was no, it was no games. There.
0: Like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't talk, talk and, and yeah, we didn't talk and laugh a lot yeah, when we were talk, in the study. You know, Carol man, probably because we were so us, we were so close, like literally like rubbing absolutely, elbows. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. It forced
1: <laughs> us to be quiet. We couldn't. It was you in the stacks. Like that's silent, you know, studying. mm mm-hmm. um, Silent working. So definitely I like
0: that you brought it Brought it, uh, shout out to Dr. Mitchell yes Dr. Mitchell yeah. um but I mean I think and we've said this now at least three times we could talk about this forever y'all so For every, um ever. you know part of what I hope at least you hear from us is one obviously women black women women of color are doing great things in education and um they they need support there's definitely a need for uh mental health and wellness to be a part of that process um if we're going to continue to sort of set the bar high and again we're still shouting out the guys but you know we're trying to do some things and it has it has you know pushed us to a place that maybe necessarily we didn't ask for but that came out of out of need and so um at this point, we really need to be able to really figure out, like, how can we offer um, from a, a larger perspective or a wider scope the things that are needed for more people to be able to get through that process at whatever level they wish? Maybe that's just finishing your bachelor's. Maybe that's finishing your master's. Maybe that is getting a PhD or law school or medical degree or whatever. But it's being able to give yourself um The internal motivation that you need But also figuring out What do you need in your external environment To make it happen And so hopefully you've gained a little bit of that From what we've talked about But if nothing else Hopefully you take away you know, Figure out what your support system needs to look like Family, friends, significant others um, What's going to be your self-care in between And that sort of motivation So if that's your off day Sometimes it's a snowball and some nachos Coming your way Um, Sometimes It might be a a weekend off from writing. If you can spare to do it, do it when you can. Um, And then just having good balance. So it is important. And we didn't go too much into sort of like relationships and love life, but we mentioned, we all mentioned that we were all in relationships. And like, you know, thankfully we had significant others and even family members who were understanding when we couldn't make the family barbecue or we couldn't, you know, do date night. For a month because we had a deadline And um, you know It it does say a lot about The folks who kind of go through This process with you and How their well-being or their um, Sense of worth Within your life also gets Tested and being Able to make sure that you know you're attentive To that because again you want to have People in the stands cheering For you when you get to the end and You need to be able to figure out how to have Um, all of it and so being able to kind of you know just pay attention to some of those things I helps I think it helps on both the educational side as you pursue you know your dreams and your goals but also just your overall well-being as you work towards something that is really important to you and and definitely plays a significant role in the person that you're becoming so hopefully you guys have learned a lot enjoyed you know this conversation around that and we're going to get into a little bit more because we have I think a cool question during our Ask Dr. LP segment that Dr. Bell is going to help me answer as well um, to be able to talk a little bit more about that balance and and having it all and so I guess right here if Dr. Bell do you have anything else to say should we take a break what you think? Oh
1: it's up to you I'm fine
0: <laughs> Well, we'll take a brief pause here just to switch gears, and then we'll come right back with our pop psych moment of the day. I'm super excited about it, Um, our pop psych moment of the week, because um, it's something that we've been working on literally almost a year, so I'm pretty excited that we're finally getting to share this with people, and so when we come back, um, we'll get to share that with you guys, so we'll be right back. We're back, so um, I'm almost like bursting at the seams a little bit to share this pop psych moment of the week with you guys because I think probably for the first time since starting the podcast, um, I'm using or I'm maybe referring to something that really kind of makes me and Dr. Bell the pop psych moment of the week, which is a little different, so I'm excited um, to sort of announce, and you all actually are kind of getting first dibs on this info, so it's hot off the press, um, a venture of ours that really came out of an experience we had about a year ago. So this time last year, we had just um, finished presenting at the National Board of Certified Counselors Symposium. Um, And we did a presentation entitled A Seat at the Table, which obviously was a play on... um, Solange's, um album um, at the time, and being able to really give some verbiage, some uh, insight to the experiences of Black women in the doctoral process, and so we did a roundtable at that symposium where we discussed about the, we discussed the challenges, we talked about the things. Um, That we you know wish maybe could have been Different in our process and then we had talked A lot about kind of what we just shared with you all In the first half of the show you know What what things did help us along The way and could have made that experience Better but also again the Obligation which is why I think we Decided to present in the first place To help those coming behind us Who were interested in the process um, Or who were in the midst of that process And maybe needing that extra Encouragement and guidance to know you know that it does end one day and that it's so sweet when it when it's over um and so being able to offer that through you know a presentation in the professional setting was was really awesome for us so we were sitting at the airport so we had flights that i guess for whatever reason were later in the day but we had to check out of our hotel so we went to the airport like super early um we couldn't even like check in Because you couldn't check in more than four hours before your flight. So that's how early we were at the airport. Um, And we were sitting there and we were talking about the fact that, like, we want to do something bigger than just kind of, you know, a presentation once a year, maybe as we meet other, you know, women um, who are interested in the doctoral process and Uh, talk with them about it, you know, we wanted to figure out how can we make a larger impact. And so we literally started brainstorming these ideas and I still have the notes from that day where we were just literally writing anything that came to mind about what we wanted to do. And so um, we sat there for a little bit and tried to come up with an idea and I actually, I don't think we came up with the idea until after we had made it home, like the name. We we had the ideas. We we didn't have a name, or did we have no, a name? Right. We came up with the name, but
1: then we Googled it. And somebody had already taken it.
0: Oh, yes. We yes. Like, that. like, yeah. No. That's what it was. So um, we thought we were unique, but actually now we know we're unique because we've come up with something that is, I think, pretty cool and a great play on words that definitely fits with what we want to do. So. We are super, super, super excited um, to present and to kind of give you guys um, a sneak peek into the launch of our latest venture, which we're calling Ebony's in the Ivory. And we're super excited about it because it's going to combine sort of this concept of being um, both a empowerment brand, but also a lifestyle brand for women, particularly women of color, who are... Um, pursuing higher education and figuring out, you know, just that journey for them. So all those things we talked about in the first half, we want to kind of address. So I'm going to let Dr. Bell just say a little bit more about it. And um, I'll make sure that like the website info and everything that we have coming up will be in the show notes so that if you're interested in learning more, Um, you can definitely figure out how to reach us about it but also so you can just kind of play around and share with other folks that you know so I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Bell and she'll talk a little bit more about it
1: okay so I guess I kind of this idea kind of started in both our minds as we were going through the process I remember doing um, an assignment in one of my research classes and I had to do it was a qualitative assignment um, and I had chosen to do it on black women um administrators you know in the ivory tower basically in higher ed and it was crazy to me because we we know the the rule of research is you want to have the most um recent articles um and i was researching on google scholar and on jstor and all of this and i'm like why can i not find any articles like in the last 10 years 10 15 years like i'm not understanding and i needed like Uh, a significant amount of articles to add, you know, to my references and, you know, some of them were from, like, 1975 and, like, things like that, and I was like, this is ridiculous, like, is nobody researching the plight of the black woman, is nobody researching black women, um, you know, in the I Retire in in academia, is nobody researching this Um, and it was very frustrating and that is one of the reasons why, because I was actually going to write my dissertation on African-American women, um, but I went ahead and chose, you know, to write on African-American men again because, I, as I mentioned before, I wanted to work with closing the gap, but also because there were no resources um, for mm-hmm. me to write on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were far, far, far more. I had no problem finding them on black men um, because there is that lack and there is that gap. Um, so that I think that's when my head, the wheels in my, in my mind first started turning do something about this like this is crazy um so and just the narrative about black women you know in in the i retire i remember again one of my um research classes um we read a book about um different research methodologies um the textbook that we read it, it, it talked about research methodology methodologies and um i remember talking about the plight of a a, a, a black professor and you know, the struggles that, um, you know, she had as far as having to feel like, you know, she was the only one that was supporting her African-American students, and, um, you know, just her um, connection with her co-workers, and that was one of the first stories that I had really heard um, about, you know, black women working in higher ed and academia, and just the trials and the tribulations and the struggles, um, and, you know, that, that really, you know, again, spark my mind and say, okay, what's what's really going on? Because I know black women are getting degrees, but why is nobody talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like, where is this? Nobody's talking about it. Um, so I think for Ebony's and the Ivory, I think the the first tenet or the first thing we want to do is de- demystify mm-hmm. in any way that we can. I know I, I said earlier that um, the doctoral process is mysterious and you can feel as if you're being kept out information is being kept from you sometimes especially as a woman of color so um just being able to demystify that process i also know that as i was searching methodologies and theoretical lenses to write my dissertation through um i took a a philosophy um, of higher education class and that's the first time that i was introduced to black feminist thought Mm -hmm. It, it just blew my mind because I just had never heard any anyone value the narrative of a black woman and value black women's experiences. And, and you know, um, it, it just, just to see that, you know, someone was, you know, saying, you know, black women, your stories are valuable, even if you're not a scholar, even if yeah. you're not an academic, like your stories matter, like your stories are rich in history, like it, it, it that blew my mind mm-hmm. as well. So when it comes to um, rewi- re- rewriting narratives, like rewriting narratives, I think is very very important in letting Black women write their own
0: narratives mm-hmm.
1: and valuing what they have to say, valuing their experiences as scholarly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think that's very important, and that's something we definitely want to shine a light on. Yeah, uh, and
0: you
1: know in Ebony's and the Ivory, Um, and then the support, as we've been talking about, you know, all throughout this podcast is supporting black women before the doctoral process, during the doctoral process, after the doctoral process, um, even as it relates to career development. I used to be a career counselor, Mm -hmm. like all of those little things um, that are important
0: um, as it relates to just
1: that journey. Yeah. I think just support throughout that whole journey I think that's something that we definitely um, want to achieve and then acknowledgement um I think that I think we're in a, a space right now as a black women where we're kind of starting to be a, a highlighted a bit more for things you know we're in this black girl magic era where we're really starting to um, value our own selves um and I think that you know, we're beginning to start to value each other within our own communities. So, being able to acknowledge, you know, Black women, you know, who are in higher ed, who've, you know, finished the, uh, who've enrolled in the higher ed program, who've enrolled in the doctoral program, or who who passed their generals or defended their proposal, the dissertation, or, you know, made the decision to 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 pursue higher education. I think that acknowledging Black women for the things that have been going on but haven't been acknowledged i think it's very very important um and that's something we definitely want to do um in ebony's and the
0: Ivory's. do you have anything you want to add to that no i think that was that was perfect i mean that that really is what sparked um a conversation for us thoughts for us experience for us and how could we bring that all into one place to create a community Um, offer support and services consultation um, to be able to assist people in this process again for the betterment of those coming behind us but also those that are in the trenches with us too and so being able to um, do that in the way that is fun but that's supportive and that's also you know specifically kind of created for us by us um like Yep. yeah shout out to Fubu Uh, (laughs) um for you know being able to do that because like we said there's no playbook that's kind of out there for us and this at least is a starting place and we know um will hopefully make an impact for those women that are um interested in the process or considering or in the process already and just need um that extra support and guidance so we're super excited about it we're actually going to be presenting um on it a little bit later this week so on friday um Again, actually right where this idea was birthed, we'll be back at the NBCC symposium um, doing kind of a part two. But this time around, we are talking about more of the kind of the mental health piece where we were talking about really in this this episode, you know, the trauma related to the experience um, of being. A black woman in the doctoral process And a woman of color as well And so um, I'm super excited about it It's always fun to get to do Like new things with friends um, Because it's often A labor of love And so um, just be on the lookout For a lot of good things coming um, For Ebony's and the Ivory We're super super excited about it um, and hopefully you'll check us out soon. We'll be on social media or we are on social media already um, and a website is coming so look for that in the notes for the show and check us out um I think that's it for our pop psych moment of the week guys that that was it so it was us so hopefully it didn't it didn't disappoint usually I know I talk about like beachella Kanye, all kinds of things. this time we're pop stars so hopefully. Yeah. I I want
1: to say this. I want to add um, kind of to what you said. I think what's very unique about Ebony's and the Ivory is I I feel like you can't separate mental health from higher education.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, It's just not, not, you can't do it. And I feel like because, you know, we're both licensed professional counselors, we both have our backgrounds, you know, in mental health and we're board certified counselors, I think that being able to merge the two, I think, gives us. Um, a uniqueness about you know Ebony's and the high, Ivory and that we can connect yeah. like everything um, together and, and, and we share our experiences both as um, you know mental health practitioners and as higher ed practitioners yeah. um, as well so I think it's a great meeting of the minds I would say
0: yeah I agree I think it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be fun it's gonna You know, again, give people that support they need Before, during, and after the process But also just create a community That's supportive, that's motivating um, And keeping that magic That we talked about going And shining So I'm super excited So definitely, you know, be on the lookout for it Um, Ask us questions We want to talk about it We want to hear your thoughts about it too So um, let us know Get involved Look Look for us on social media And we can't wait for you to see more yay Yay! so final segment. i know y'all are probably listening if you are like me i listen to podcasts at the gym if this is your way of like timing how long you've been on the treadmill you might want to step off because <laughs> <laughs> um that's what i do so my most of the podcasts i listen to are like 30 45 minutes i'll get on a treadmill walking not running uh because i can't um <laughs> is to be able to do this and I know we've been talking for an hour Which is pretty awesome so hopefully um, If you are a gym person Or you're a driver I hope you're not like Listening to this on your way to work and now you're late um, Forgive us But that also means we got you Tuned in so we're at our final Segment so you can get off the treadmill In a second or go into work in a Minute um, but we have our last Two signature segments which are um, Ask Dr. LP, and so today, of course, I'm gonna do Ask Dr. LP plus Dr. Bell because she's with me, and so I obviously have to tap into her knowledge while she's here, Um, and then we'll close with our small talk bookshelf, like usual, so um, Ask Dr. LP question of the week, Dr. Bell, um, is, as a woman who made her education and occupation a priority, did you ever feel a need to compromise, can you really have it all any thoughts around that Uh, that's like super deep right that
1: is super deep um i firmly 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 believe that you can have it all um and i think that comes with preparation um for me i was never one of those women and and i'm not any not anything against women who are like this at all because you know we grew up differently we have different experiences but I remember like I, I wasn't like oh I'm, I'm planning a wedding or this is what I would like like that wasn't my fairy tale my fairy tale was really getting a PhD mm-hmm. so I didn't even know what that was really like when I made that my fairy tale I did not know <laughs> um what that you know what that process entailed but I knew that's what I wanted to do um and I met my husband when I was in undergrad I met him when I was 20 years old um and Luckily for me, he was very intrigued by my drive, so he would never try to, you know, block it or, or you know, demand any anything less of greatness from me mm-hmm. because um, he knew like that's that's who I was. Like if you want me, that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a career driven person. You're gonna get an educationally driven person. Um, so he'd be like, "Hey, you need to go do this. You need to go do that." So um, I was. I'm very fortunate in that. I never had to compromise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Even, like, you know, going through grad school, my husband graduating, you know, him um, getting a job, getting, getting offered a job, he got offered, we're, we're both from Louisiana, Um, he got offered a job in another state, and, you know, clearly we're, we're on this road, you know, to getting married and... I'm just like, oh man, I'm have to leave. Like, what am I gonna do? And my husband is always me from jump. If you get a job that you want, I can move anywhere. His company is global, mm-hmm. so he's like I can I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I'm I support you 100. percent So even not being bound, um, you know, locationally, yeah,
0: um, yeah, was
1: very, you know, it, it was just very supportive of him, and it it. it I didn't have to compromise in, in that if, if i found a job today that i really really wanted really wanted and was really serious about even though my husband's home office is located here in texas he would be like okay well we're figured out you're gonna do what you gotta do my husband by the way is so funny because he's like i can retire and be a house husband i'm cool with it I <laughs> <laughs>
0: shout out to <laughs> ronald my friend shout
1: out to <laughs> <laughs> ronald care of the kids like he has no problem like, he's like you he was like you need to get um a good job like you need to get like a super happy job I stay at home like so in, in that way um I, I I never felt like I had to compromise yeah and I grew up the way that I grew up um you know I have both my parents in the household but my mom is very independent like she is mom is y'all I can't even like she's something else just like your mama, Keith. yeah like she's something <laughs> else and she she doesn't play a lot of games. She really doesn't. Um, so, even at, from a young age, my mom was always driving my head. Education is the great equalizer. Like you need to get it done. This this is our way out. Like as a people. Like I, I love Dr. Uh, Maya Angelou's. Um, you know, one of her quotes: "I'm the dream and the hope of the slave." Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing this for my ancestors. Like just like you were saying, like for the women who came before me, for the people who came before me. Like my mom was always driving in my head. Like this is this is. You need to go as far as you can. You're in support of your people. Like they don't, you know, like Olivia Pope said, you have to work twice as hard to get Mm -hmm. where you need to be. Just all the stuff that black mamas tell us all the time. (laughs) Um, So those things were driven into my head. So um, being independent and knowing, like mom would always tell me, you don't don't depend. It don't matter if you're married. You don't depend on a man to take care of you. You got to have options. You got to do this. You got to do that. So I grew up know in that mindset that's mm-hmm. what, what drove me and that was my motivation is I gotta get it I gotta get it my mama keeps telling me I gotta get it. and and just you know knowing that she was raising me to be such an independent I think person it, it just manifested so you know with or without a man it was gonna have to get done yeah oh, cause I want to hear my mama mouth at the end of the day so <laughs> like, I mean Definitely intrinsic motivation, but also the extrinsic motivation that I know she was expecting me to be able to take care of myself. She used to always tell I'm raising you to be able to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you don't have nobody else, you will know how to take care of yourself. Um, so, you know, that, that was my driving force. And, you know, I, I'm just thankful that I, I never had to stop. Yeah. I went, you know, straight my husband has been all of my graduations. Even, you know, when we were dating or I don't even we might even broke up one of the times I graduated. I don't know. He was there every time, like so supportive. Like he he loves even like being on this podcast today. Like I told you earlier, he's like I hope y'all have a good podcast. Mm -hmm, Like, you mm -hmm. know, I want you like he's always like pushing me, you know, even more than I push myself. Just being very supportive. So um I really do think that you can have it all, and I think that takes choosing a partner who is not going to get in the way of you having it all, too. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's just a whole different...
0: Yeah, topic. we could have a whole nother episode on that's that. That's a whole <laughs> different... We'll, we'll save um, that for Ebony's in the yeah, Ivory.
1: We're going to save that, but I never felt like I had to. I still don't see me having to even... You know, when, you know, when the, the kids come, like, I know my husband, he'll, he'll do whatever he needs to do. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and the supportive family, like we said, not just him, because mm-hmm. I have a supportive family, even his mom, and just, if I needed to go do something, if I need to go to a couple for five days, I know, you know, somebody has my back. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, you have Cody. Mm-hmm. Like, Cody's yeah. her dog. Oh, <laughs> 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 who loves me very much. Cody. Like, she does not. <laughs> Um, but Lakita's like, mom takes Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, she needs, and Lakita's always on a plane, y'all. Like, I don't know if y'all know this, but every time I'm not, I call her Jet Setter now, y'all. Like, this child is always on somebody's plane. That's why she gets those free drink tickets from out <laughs> that she gives to me
0: sometimes. Right. The I could give them away. Gives
1: them, she gives them away. Like, that's how much, um, and she's on Southwest Airlines. It's crazy. Like she needs to buy stock in these people's company. Um, but you have that support too, even from your mom. And, mm-hmm. You know, she deals. She deals with Cody. That's her grandson. Yeah. Um, you know, so just having the support, not even of my spouse, but just even of my my family. And like you you touched on earlier, even with you know knowing, like I gotta, I have to step away because I gotta write this dissertation. I have yeah. to do this. I need some time. I can't show up to everything. Like just not having to compromise. Do I have to pick family over my career? Do I have to pick family over my educational pursuits?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't feel like you do.
0: Yeah, I if I agree. You make
1: the right choices. Choose wisely. You won't.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely do. I mean, I think you know you touched on everything that I would say. We don't have to create a new segment. Ask Doctor Bell um, <laughs> because I think that you know. We do, particularly as women, get sort of like this idea in our head that we have to choose or that we have to limit how much happiness we can have. And I think one of the things that I appreciate about my upbringing, you know, having my mom and my grandmother in the home was that they always pushed me to do what made me happy, but also like what truly like brought me joy Right. And for me as a person who is a busybody, yes, I am always on a plane somewhere and yet still get, you know, everything done, run a practice, work, you know, you, you do it all because it's all things that I love. I think it would be very different if I was doing things that I was doing for the sake of like, well, this is a paycheck or this is, you know, what my everybody in my family did this career. So I'm going to do it too, even though it's not where my passion lies. And I think that makes a huge difference about feeling even put in the position where you have to choose. So I agree. I, I don't necessarily feel like I've ever had to compromise because I was always taught that anything you want, if you, you know, put the work behind it, you can have. And so being able to do that, I think, um, in every area, so education, relationships, family life, um, I, I witnessed that. Even as you know, my grandmother who was a widow, my mom who was a single mom, who y'all met and y'all already know how she is just by listening to her voice on the podcast. Um, but two very hardworking, independent women who I watched uh, never have to choose. I think you know one of the lessons I always tell myself. Um, When I am thinking about, you know, making sure that I make a a good living for myself and I'm doing things that matter and making a difference in the world that I live in um, is, you know, the concept of like always putting myself in a position where you can say yes to life. And my grandmother and my mother both live that way. So we didn't always have a lot. We didn't always, you know, I think feel like we were in some like upper echelon of a class that just wasn't us um but that was not something i ever even knew because i think we always were in the position anything i needed for school i had anything you know uh if we needed to do a family vacation we figured out how to make it work and and what it looked like and so i never felt that i missed anything and so now in in building my own life I always want to feel like well I don't want to miss anything because of right. you know oh I'm I'm not I don't have the resources or I don't have um the support that I need and so right. being able to almost like you said like I don't feel like I've ever had to be in the position where I've had to choose because of the people around me and the people who I watched um kind of do this. And so it is important, like you said, that support system of your family, um support of from your significant other. Um I think that really really matters. And I think one of the things I always think of and this is probably one of the reasons people like hate only children is that <laughs> is that um I also grew up because I'm a I'm an only child. My mother's only child. Um believing that like anything I want I can have in that sense And not in like the bratty Kind of you know right. way that only Children can be but I my World was sort of centered around like Doing what I wanted or what I Needed or what um, You know I felt like whatever uh, Achievement I wanted to make it was Up to me so I had the power To make it happen and I still I think that's why I'm always up to Something thinking of a new venture trying to Do something else because I was raised that way that I could I could do anything there there's not a limit um to what I feel like if there's something I want to do I'm gonna figure out how to do it and so because of that I agree with you totally like I do think you know as a woman who makes you know your education or your career a priority or it's a major part of your life you don't have to feel a need to compromise and you can definitely have it all so um right i love that question because i think a lot of people do get caught up thinking that they have to choose and i don't think you do so no, and i like what you said
1: about um just the support you got from like your mom and like your grandmother and them just instilling um in you they like you you can have it all like you can whatever you want is possible if you put the work in um that it is possible and uh, I can relate to that as well you know, because both of my parents used to, you know you know, instill those same values into me is you're not going to get it just because you want it, but if you work for it yeah. and you pray about it
0: yep you know,
1: <laughs> and, and the way my God is set up um, you know if, if I seek him and do whatever I, you know, I need to do and have you know, connect with him and it's something that's in his will, it's going to happen like yeah. I'm going to see that's my my mindset has always been you know if it aligns with 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 my source my god and and, and i'm putting the work in
0: mm-hmm. what can i do you're right um, right? so
1: it, it all goes back to support
0: yeah i agree um, your support that that matters so that was a good question it was, um, it really was. So last part, y'all, we promise, uh, (laughs) is the small talk bookshelf. So we talked a lot today about um, our educational journey, our uh, maintenance of our mental health and well-being. And one of the things that really did get us through a lot of times in the midst of our doctoral process was sharing with each other resources or messages or poems or quotes um, that inspired us to be able to push through sometimes when it wasn't Motivational Monday or Transformational Tuesday um, and we needed something in between. And so um, we didn't even go into some of the other life things that we faced um, during our process, health stuff, job changes, all kinds of things that we were really going through. Um, and again, we'll save that for Ebony's and the Ivory too. But um For this week's Small Talk Bookshelf, I wanted to highlight a a sermon that um, Dr. Bell sent to me in the midst of the process of me making um, a career shift in the midst of finishing up my um, dissertation. And so there was a lot going on. I had reached the point of exhaustion um, and frustration and... Was kind of in a place where I was just gonna Kind of give in I think And so being able to realize that sometimes Again your support system really does matter Because they may have just what you need In order to get to that next thing And so the sermon is And we're both I think big fans of podcasts And so we both listen to the Potter's House podcast um, By Dr. T.D. Jakes And we um, love I think probably just sharing messages in general, but one of our favorites is the giant is always at the gate. And what I loved about this message is that it really talked about what do you do in the midst of sort of waiting for your next thing And what people often don't realize is that that thing that you've been working for, that thing that you've been waiting for is literally right behind that obstacle that to you feels like the biggest, toughest, um, most difficult thing that you've ever faced, which is a, a giant, you know, metaphor for a giant. And so being able to realize that if you have reached the point where that giant is in front of your face, you're so close. You're right there, and if you can't allow yourself to realize that, well, if I've gone through this journey, something has been instilled in me for me to defeat this giant. And so, of course, this right. is the story of like David and Goliath, um, taken to a whole nother level. But being right. able to realize that, like, if if the giant is in front of you, you are at the gate, you are at the right. door of your next big thing. And so, one of the lines that I love um, that Bishop Jakes talks about is. Um, don't miss the thing that leads to the thing. Ah, and what ah. I love about it is that a lot of times we will get frustrated or we'll get angry even about the fact that we have to face a challenge to get to the the thing that we've been working for. Um, but a lot of times it's to kind of seal the deal. You know, right. it's, it's kind of to sort of show to yourself that, you know, you work to get there. And obviously, there's something ordained by God in that moment that you're supposed to have. And so being able to um, get to the giant means you're at the door. So don't turn away right then don't give up right then, because you're too close. And you will literally miss the thing that, you know, is waiting for you and that you indeed, along with God's help have worked for. So I love that sermon. I could listen to it probably every day, um, but it, it is particularly helpful in the midst of you know tough times. And we've talked a lot about you know the educational journey and. This process for us, and so you know, for those of y'all that are in a place where you feel like you're facing your giant, or you're not sure about your next move, or you're not sure what to do, you're facing obstacles. You know, realize that you're probably so close. You're so close that you can feel it, and that's why the pressure's on. Yes. um Dr. Bell, you got anything else about that sermon, or anything else to you close know, out? Funny.
1: My mom sent me that sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, me, like when we were going through the process, because mm-hmm. she knew. It. I was having a rough time, and it's funny because I feel like things started trying to fall apart for both of us mm-hmm. at the same time, right at the end. Yep. And I like it was just so timely because I remember like we would have our days where you would you would break down and cry, mm-hmm. like I said, I would break down and cry. Like we had a crying day today. <laughs> um, but I feel like if we would have, you know, a lot of people. Um, when they meet that that opposition, you know, that's the end. They're all but dissertation at that point. They're like, I just can't do it. I can't finish. Like, whatever comes up. And I feel like we could have easily... There were times when we were like, why are we
0: doing this? Yeah. This yeah. is
1: stupid. Like, yeah. why are we subjecting ourselves to this sort of trauma? Um, we don't have to do this. Like you said, we... we we didn't need terminal degrees to do our jobs, right? Um, and and I think that because we were able to persist, you know, we're here at this moment right now, and I think it all goes back to what we want to do for Ebony, Ebony's and the Ivory as well. It's just help, pers- help women persist, support them, um, and I don't know, just just bring awareness. It's always darkest before the dawn, as they say. So yeah, um, you just need that extra push to get to where you need to be in. And I think sometimes that's how your legacy is created, by, by being persistent and pushing um mm-hmm. and, and making it through. So I definitely, like I said, that sermon, I'm about to go listen to it now. Cause <laughs> I, I, I feel like I need to go listen to it now, but I think that's a great, um, you know,
0: artifact to add to the mm-hmm. you know, like
1: small talk
0: bookshelf. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, So make sure y'all check it out. I'll do my best to remember to put maybe a link to it on YouTube um, in the show notes so that if anybody is interested, you're in a, a place that you could use that message, um, you can check it out because it definitely changed um, our, our mindset in that time right. that we were in. And obviously for us two years later, it's still has a huge impact and so um we want to share that so that is my small talk bookshelf segment of this week so we have reached the end of what i think has been one of the best episodes um of the podcast because i think we've talked about so many things we've been able to give our um listeners i think some things to think about, and obviously a conversation that we plan to keep going um, in in a different setting. So, um, I want to one thank my special guest, Dr. Dejelon Jackson Bell, my friend, Woo-hoo! for being Thanks here. For yes, um, and being able to you know just be honest and transparent uh, in only a way that I think we can because of the experience that we've been through. So. I definitely appreciate you. And I hope you'll come back to the show. Of course. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So um, we're going to end there. We're almost through the month of May. Again, our Mental Health Awareness Month. We have one more week um, where actually we got in a couple different um, mental health questions, very specific. So what well, maybe next episode will be. Is maybe a whole show of Ask Doctor LP because we have a lot of like mental health questions that I got. So um, I definitely want to answer some of those. I know in particular, there's still a lot of stigma around mental health, and we're in a time um, in our society at large where mental health is becoming highlighted. You know, in a in a good way, I guess for this in the sense of bringing attention and awareness, but. We're seeing more really critical incidents of violence happen around mental health as well. And so um, that may be kind of the direction we'll take for next week's episode, but we'll see. So we'll see how that goes. But don't forget, if you haven't already, um, like and follow us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week to the Emerald Couch. We'll see you later. Bye, guys.